in the church, we have to be roped together. We have to know what this book says about the Lord's return. We have to understand that all the stuff that has been prophesied for for 6,000 years is coming to pass right before our eyes. And if we do not come together, even when there's perplexity and difficulty, and sit down and say, what is going on in this world? And start to look at Scripture to understand the answers, we too will be led astray. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to take you on a journey that unequivocally is going to help you to realize the folks, the 12th hour is not just upon us. We're clicking down the last seconds of the hour. At the end of today's sermon, I'm going to show you a video clip that shows you all of the different things that have transpired 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago, are transpiring today, and how God wants us to understand just what I've titled this message, Ready or Not, Here I Come. It starts with a spiritual crisis, which we'll talk about today. Next week, I'll get into a Carnal crisis. The word carnal means fleshly, earthly, or worldly. worldly. And in that, I'm going to take you back to the scriptures in Zechariah where the Bible says that the earth in the last days literally is going to vomit up her inhabitants. And I'm going to take you into seismic activity. I'm going to take you into the weather strangeness that's going on in the world. I'm going to take you all of that, and I'm going to take you right into the scriptures to show you this is what the Lord said is going to happen prior to his return. And then after that, I'm going to take you into the financial crisis. What we see today is only the precursor because all of this is going to usher in the mark of the beast. And I'm going to take you through the scriptures to help you understand we need not to dislodge ourselves from coming together, especially as we see the Lord's day approaching. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, today for your grace, your wisdom, Guide and direct the lips of this preacher, Father. God, Isaiah 55 said, Your word will not come back void, but will accomplish that which pleases you, God. Regardless of what stumbles across these lips, Father God, let them speak from a heart of sincerity, a heart of desperation, God, to equip your people to help us understand the times and the seasons we live. No one knows the day or the hour. God, we will not talk about that. That is not even an issue. 
But God, you said we will know the times. We will know the seasons. We will know the events that is ushering in that time. When you say when all these things begin to happen, don't be afraid. Look up. Lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Matthew 24, as we talk about a spiritual crisis. Later, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, a very familiar passage of Scripture, his disciples came to him privately and said, Lord, tell us when all this will happen and what will sign will signal your return and the end of the world. Now, that word world would better be translated age because the world is not going to end. The Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but that's only because there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's not going to be an end of the world as we know it, but there is going to be an end of the age. Now, look at me quickly before we get into this, and I got people that will say, well, Pastor is talking about the time that Titus overthrew Israel and, and Jerusalem, and, and not a stone in the temple was, was on top of each other. It was all decimated. Yes, this is true. This is one of those dual references that Scripture is continually referring to. It talks about a time that is at a hand and a time that is to come. And as we get into the rest of Matthew 24, you can see very plainly that there is no way that this has transpired. This is for a time yet to come. The disciples came together with, the, with Jesus and said, Okay, Lord. And then the Lord told them, you're not going to be a rock upon a building. There's going to be torn down. All of this, that happened in 70 A.D. During the time of Titus, when he overthrown, the Roman emperor came and overthrew Israel and Jerusalem and destroyed millions of Jews were killed and, and another million or so was taken into Babylonian captivity, which we're going to talk about here in just a little while. Jesus told them, and I want you to underline this in your notes. Don't let anyone mislead you. Let me say it again. Underline this in your notes. Don't let anyone mislead you. In the days preceding the Lord's return, there's going to be all kinds of people spouting and touting things about peace and safety and, and, uh, and a, a realigning. Can't we all just get along? Don't let anyone mislead you. The original language, that word mislead, literally means don't let anyone deceive you. Many are coming in my name. They're claiming that I'm the Messiah, and they will deceive many. And we've already seen this over just the last 20 or 30 years. So many people have risen up and have led literally hundreds of thousands of people away. Then he said, you'll hear of wars, threats of wars. Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. Never in all of history, in all of mankind, folks, there has never been any time in creation there has not been turmoil since the very beginning of time, since Israel was established as a promised land, and before that, you can go through all the, the different ites in the Bible, the, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the, the, all the different ones, how they always fought together. Never before has there ever been a lack of war, but never before until this last century has there been world war. 
And we, as we speak, are on the brink of a third world war, and we'll talk about a little bit about this next week. You say, Pastor, are you trying to scare us? Not at all. I'm trying to inform us. Because the Bible says we're not like the children of the darkness that, are over, that will be overtaken, that the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. Why? Because we're watching for him. And the Bible says if we knew the thief were come, was coming and we watched for him, he wouldn't come. But we're watching for the Lord so that when we see him, we will go to be with him. Can you say amen? amen. Nation will go to war against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Once again, this is another one of those pictures in Scripture where it's saying the same thing. The word nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom is talking about the ethos or the ethnic groups of the world. Yes, there will be travolt uh, against, uh, you know, Russia against you know, America against Europe, against so on. But it's talking about, as you go and study this in the original language, it's talking about the people groups of those nations rising up. A nation, listen to me, will never be destroyed from the outside. It's always destroyed from an implosion from the inside. Are you with me? And the people groups, I don't care where it is. You say, well, the Muslims are all coming together. No, the Sunnis and the Shiites and all the different sects of the Muslims are killing each other. Just like we're doing right here in America. Never before. It's always been one nation fighting against another nation, but not the sects of people within the nations destroying themselves. There will be famines, earthquakes all over the world. And that's what it says. If you've been here and you're a woman and you've had a child, you'll understand. All of this is the first of the birth pains. When that baby says it's time to come, he or she starts knocking. And that's done in the area of contractions. How many of you ladies can say amen? Now you understand, it could be a contraction. It could be two or three days before you have another one. All of a sudden, in that day, you might have two or three contractions. And before the Lord's return, the Bible says those contractions are going to get tighter and tighter and tighter, more and more and more. Never before has there been as many wars, as many uprisings in all of history as there is right now on this earth, but nothing is going to make you think when you start thinking about the carnal crisis we're coming into and that is actually amongst us. Let's go on here. Then you shall be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Right now, there are almost a half a million Christians killed every year. Do you know why? Because they're Christians. Never before in all of creation has there been more martyrdom for the name of Jesus Christ. Just go Google it, folks. And many, now I'm bringing it to us, in the church, they'll turn away. They will betray and turn from me and begin to hate 
each other. And they will start to deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of those in the church will begin to wax cold. Look at me, church, please. We're just, I'm just trying to lay a foundation for this. In the church, we have to be roped together. We have to know what this book says about the Lord's return. We have to understand that all the stuff that has been prophesied for, for 6,000 years is coming to pass right before our eyes. And if we do not come together, even when there's perplexity and difficulty, and sit down and say, what is going on in this world? And start to look at Scripture to understand the answers, we too will be led astray. Don't get quiet on me now. It is imperative that we draw closer to God in the midst of battle. How many have ever watched any of the great battles of years gone by? You know how they won the victory? Uh, Philip here, one of his favorite movies is that movie 300. I went and saw, I didn't go see the movie, I rented the movie. I'm thinking, what? Because everybody's talking about, you know, how it just promotes, you know, some really good things. Oh, it's pretty gory, yeah, but hey, you know, it promotes some tremendous. And every single time they got into a great battle, Let's go into another movie that most of us probably have seen. It's called The the, uh, Gladiator. How many saw that movie? Remember, in the middle of the great battles, what did they all do? They all linked their swords together. They all linked their shields together. They all linked their bodies together. Why? Because they operated as one. When the enemy comes in, his greatest strategy has always been to divide and to conquer. If he can get you separated, if he can get you untied to where you drift away, he can and will destroy, and he'll do that by deception. But God says, when you start seeing these things, it's not the time to run away. It's the time to run together and say, Phil, what's going on? Bob, what's going on? Mike, what's going on? Jimmy, what's going on? Suzanne, what's going on? Roxy, what's going on? We come together in one mind and one accord and say, Jesus is going on. That's what's going on. I I saw some of you. I woke you up. (laughs) Think about it. And then I want you to underline this next phrase. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible says the one that fights to the end, the one that stands to the end. Folks, this isn't popular preaching. This is Bible preaching. The one that knows his God will do exploits and be saved. The good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Well, pastor, come on. There's lots of people, groups in the world that have never heard the gospel. Not because they can't. For the first time in all creation, the entire world is hearing the gospel. It's called satellite technology. There is not a single place. I know some of you that are, that are uh, evangelistic and, and missionary-minded. 
have heard of the 1040 window. The 1040 window is a section. It's, uh, it's it longitude um, something and latitude something, and it works between a window, they say, the 1040. And I don't know, remember the exact numbers, but they say that's the people group of the, of the world that have not fully heard the gospel. They are hearing the gospel even now. And right now as we speak, the entire world has heard or is hearing the gospel. Can somebody say, I am excited? Number one in your notes, God is a God of order. And with all order, there is a beginning and there is an end. Now, just before you start getting nervous, when I do the end time series, the messages are a little longer because I've got too much to put in. So today may take you a regular 35 minutes. It might take you 45 minutes, folks. Is everybody going to be okay with that? Okay. There is no way that I can talk about everything, so I'm trying to put nuggets together. There is a beginning and there is an end. Isaiah 46, the scripture says, I have made known the end from the beginning. What happened literally at creation before God established the beginning, he made the end. That is the way he can be just and fair as a God. Nobody can say, well, I didn't have the time somebody else had. Everyone has the same amount of time because he created the end before he created the beginning. He said, from ancient times and what is still to come. And he said, my purpose will stand. Let me get into something quickly. I'm going to talk about two nations specifically and two nations generally. We can call it coincidental. We can call it happen chance, but I think not. Whenever you study the decline of a civilization, a culture, a society, a nation, every single one of them falls in the same subsequent course. They go from a spiritual crisis that will go to a carnal crisis, ultimately followed by a financial crisis, and the entirety will implode. And in the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about that. Today, we're looking at the spiritual crisis. Next week, we're going to get into the carnal crisis, how the world itself, literally, the Bible says, is groaning for the day of the Lord's return. And it's talking about that soon it will vomit up its inhabitants. And I will take you to the Scripture and break down this understanding, which we will go into what is called a financial crisis or the time preceding the Lord's return where the entire world system begins begins to come together. How many have been reading the news, folks, is happening right now? It's all coming together, even as we speak. And they have this brand new set of currency, and I'm going to call it just for what it is. It's called the Bitcoin. Have you heard about it? What they're trying right now is they're trying to decide which money system is going to be the strength of the world. Is the United States dollar? Is the China uh, currency is the Japanese currency. Well, we find Japanese, the Japanese currency is quickly falling out of sorts. And the reason is because of all the, the tsunamis and all the hurricanes and all the different things that they have been dealing with and the Fukushima uh, 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 nuclear plant's explosion that has brought great demise to the country. Though we do not see the external at this point in time, if you read through the news and you read the behind-the-scenes stuff that's happening, there is great chaos happening in the country of Japan right now. And ladies and gentlemen, all of this stuff 
is preceding a financial collapse that will soon be to overtake the world if you follow the scripture that talks about a time where no man will be able to buy or sell unless he has a mark of currency upon his or her body. We know it as being called the mark of the beast, the number of a man, 666, and I'm going to get into that a little bit to try to break it down to help us understand what it means. Historically, we find that every demise of any country, nation, government has all followed this course, a spiritual crisis followed by a carnal crisis followed by a financial crisis, and this is what is exactly going to lead to the coming of the Lord. This is the way Russia fell to communism. They first rejected God. Russia used to be a godly country, folks. Then they totally rejected and threw God completely out. Uh, Stalin and and all these different guys started raising up and saying, no, no, we're going to take care of this thing, and it's going to be the government that's taking care of all. Hmm, does that sound a little simple here? I'm just throwing that out there. Okay, this is the way Russia fell to communism. Then a new dictator rose up in a country called Germany. And immediately after he rose up, what happened? They did away with God. They took the the, uh, people of the nation and started raising them up in carnality, saying, hey, we are the answer. And then they destroyed the German mark. Spiritual crisis, carnal crisis financial crisis, and we know the end of Germany, don't we? Am I making any sense today? Every nation falls the same way. You go back in history, I'll take you to a country named Babylon. Great King Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to talk about him in a little while. He knew God. Purposely rejected God so he could become God himself. Went from a spiritual crisis through his entire nation into a carnal crisis. And then all of a sudden, all the value they owned was based in this king. If you wanted anything, you had to worship. The Bible says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we ain't doing this thing. Daniel said, we ain't doing this thing. We know Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. And how many know the people that threw him in were the ones eaten up by the lions and not Daniel? Let me tell you something. You might feel like you're at the bottom of the pit right now, but God's about ready to raise you out, and God's going to lift you out, and the ones that threw you in are the ones that are going to be eaten by that, that problem. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Oh, Nebi, baby, I don't think we're going to worship you. Nebi, baby, that's short for Nebuchadnezzar. Sorry to throw that out there. We're not going to bow down and worship you. You can turn that furnace up as hot as you want to. Well, the Bible says that they were thrown in the furnace. The, the mighty men that threw them in the furnace, the furnace was so hot that they were killed by the flames. And all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar walks over and looks in the furnace and says, didn't we throw three people into this furnace? And he's bowing down. Then how come I see four and the fourth one looks like the Son of God? Ladies and gentlemen, he will go in the fire with you. He will walk in the fire. And the demise of Nebuchadnezzar, he became like an animal eating the grass of the field. Ladies and gentlemen, God will. The next country is the country of Persia. We know it as modern-day Iran. For sake of time, I just need to continue on here. 
It's interesting to note that Russia and Germany and Babylon and Persia, all of them, their number one objective was to destroy the Jews, to destroy the Jewish people. Read history. Babylon, we, we, we find that Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm destroying God and I'm destroying the, Jews, the Jewish people. If they don't worship me, they're all dead. And we know that millions of them were slaughtered and others were thrown into captivity, which is where we get Daniel and the Hebrew children and, and the deliverance of that. We find in, in uh, Persia the exact same thing transpired. Russia and Germany bent on eradicating the Jews. Today, other nations are bent together. And I want to throw this out there as an interesting note. This is the first time since 1948 that America has not become an aggressive ally for Israel. America is turning its back on the closest friend it ever has. And the fearful thing, folks, God says, those that turn their back on me, on Israel, I will turn my back on them. Why would this be so? In every spiritual decline, one of the very first things that must be done is they have to figure out how to get rid of God. The Jewish people were the link to their demise. They knew that if we could get rid of the Jews, we could get rid of God. That was what was in their minds. The Romans thought it. I mean, the, 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 the Babylonians thought it, the Persians thought it, the Russians thought it, the Germans thought it, trying to eliminate. Ladies and gentlemen, today, America is in a free fall. I find that in every spiritual free fall, immediately we've got to come to a place where we ultimately blame God. Flip the television on, flip the news on, everywhere you turn, they're trying to get rid of praying even worse than it has been. They're, try, they're still trying to get the, the, in God we trust off of our money. They're trying to do all of these things. Why? Ultimately, the first demise is a spiritual crisis. You've got to get rid of the things of the Spirit. We talked about on Wednesday night as we're talking about the strategies of Satan. Folks, you need to come to this class. It is an enlightening, an eye-opening, and a very victorious understanding that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So let's look at the spiritual crisis. Is that not where the U.S. and the world are right now? This results from a false theology, or if I could better yet say a false spirituality. There is a rise in spiritism in the world, but there is a fall in spirituality. Why? Because people are looking to become gods unto themselves. So for the sake of time this morning, I'm going to talk about America. The further America descends into greater and greater degradation, the further the American system turns to man for answers and rejects God. The American system, for the most part, has yielded to and become a humanistic system. You say, Pastor, can you just give me a simple understanding? What's the difference between a spiritual system and a humanistic system? A spiritual system looks to God for answers. A humanistic system looks to man for answers. And what humanism does to establish and accomplish its humanistic ventures America has to get rid of God and all Christian virtues on which this 
country was founded, which is the reason we have this revisionist history. This revisionism, they're getting rid of the pilgrims, they're getting rid of the way America was styled, they're trying to get away with the forefathers, they're trying to get rid of all the different things that gives any understanding that America was founded on the things of God. Mother Teresa, before she died, made an interesting statement. Actually, let me talk to you about C.S. Lewis's statement first. C.S. Lewis said, one must keep pointing out I'll keep on pointing out that Christianity is a statement, which if false is of no importance at all. But if true, it's of infinite importance. The one thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Look at me. You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. There is no such thing as a closet Christian. If you're playing church on that day, you will be left in church. Don't get upset at me. I'm just teaching you what the Word of God says. There is no such thing as a passive Christian. A passive Christian. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I might offend somebody. I would rather offend them into heaven than pacify them into hell. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no such thing. You either are a Christian or you are not a Christian. There is no middle grounds. Mother Teresa said, America is a very religious nation, but sadly, it's not a very spiritual one. Her disquieting words resonate throughout the land. She said, you in the West have spiritually have the spiritually poorest of the poor. I find it easy to give a plate of rights to the hungry person, but to console or to remove the bitterness, anger, loneliness that, be, that comes from being spiritually deprived takes a long, long time. That is the problem we have in the church of Jesus Christ. We are bitter. We are angry. We are lonely. We are all the things that the scripture tells us we're not to be. And the reason we are is because we are spiritually deprived. We think we're going to church. That you know, it used to be the church was measured by power, praise, and action. Or power, praise, and passion. Now it's measured by lights, camera, and action. We think we come to church for what's in it for us. No, we come to church because of what's in it for him and what he is doing in our lives. Since man has decided to look to man and not gone for the answers, we now have a plethora of passions, perversion, hatred, war, immorality, crimes. You just list goes on. Literally, man seeking to be God without God is now man against man, nation against nation, because man chooses to refuse God's headship and God's leadership. Can somebody say amen? Did I mention that this is not going to be one of my most encouraging messages? Unless you choose to be a Christian. Number two in your notes, without... The God of order, man, has only disorder to follow. Without the Lord's spiritual guidance, man has no spiritual hope. Look at your notes and up on the screen. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. But as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood... People were eating, people were drinking, marrying, 
given in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about it until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it's going to be until the coming of the Son of Man. Now let me take this up to the day. To the day prior to the rapture, people are going to be eating, drinking, marrying. Life is just going to continue on. Oh, we have struggles, but the excuse is we've always had struggles. Oh, we've had problems, but the excuse is we've always had problems. Oh, what is the big deal? Oh, come on, whether they're homosexual, what's the big deal? Heterosexual, come on, what's the big deal? Whether, whether they're, they're, they're upset, you know, how, how come it is that we can, we can fill our schools full of Muslim beliefs, but we have to get rid of all the Christian beliefs? How come that we can do? You say, Pastor, you can't talk about that stuff in, the, in church. Well, we will in this church. What is the deal? Why can we fill the world with all kinds of ungodly things and have to accept it, but reject the things of God? Eating, drinking, be married. Everybody just wants it to be peace. Come on. Peace, peace, happiness, joy. Can't we just all get along? Until the day the trumpet blew and the rapture happened. They have no idea. And then they got to make excuse for why it happened. Second, First Timothy, look at it. The Spirit speaks expressly in the latter times. Told you we're going to talk about the church. You can't, you're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. There is no two ways about it. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. The deception of the world trying to bring people down. Oh, come on, what's the big deal? So this church believes a little bit different. Ladies and gentlemen, if a contrary to the word of God it is wrong. I don't care if it has church on it. I don't care if it has Christianity on it. If it's contrary to God's word, it is wrong. Can somebody say amen? Such teachings come through hypocritical liars, the two-faced, whose conscience has been seared. They so have given in to the ways of the world and the lies and the, the, the affairs of humanity that it no longer affects them. 14 states acknowledge same-sex marriage in these United States. 35 states have banned it, which are all in court fighting right now. One state can't make up his mind. It's interesting. New Mexico just can't make up his mind. According to Focus on the Family, we're talking about some will abandon the faith. According to Focus on the Family, Charisma Magazine, and several others, 1,500 pastors every single month leave the ministry permanently. They don't leave for another church. They leave completely. And this is, uh, this is, this is a few months ago that this out, and I hear that the odds are getting higher. Over 7,000 churches every year close their doors permanently. Some are departing from the faith because. Iniquity abounds. The love of many are waxing cold. Look up on the screen a brand new book that just came out last year out of years of research. The book is called The Unchristian. You want to see why it's happening in the church? Remember Gary Kinneman? We had him here just a few months ago. 
This is his son who is the author of this work. He actually owns a group called Barna Research Group, which is the foremost group that researches all of, of uh, the Christian issues. Listen to what it says. Unchristian authors David Kinnaman and Gabe Lyons conducted extensive research to determine our influence on culture as Christians. Look what it says. Their findings are very disturbing. In virtually every study we conducted, representing thousands of interviews every single year, born-again Christians fail to display much attitudinal or behavior evidence of a transformed life. For instance, based on study released in 2007, we found that most of the lifestyle activities of born-again Christians were statistically the same as the non-born-again. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. Can't we all just get along? Did you know that over 50% of the church right now cannot see a problem with homosexual marriage? The Bible sees the problem. God sees the problem. Why doesn't the church? Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 says, The day of the Lord will not come except there is first a great falling away. Folks, you can't fall away from unless you were first attached to. This was not a time to untie together. This was not a time to get out there running around by ourselves. Well, bless God, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're correct. But I can tell you, if you won't go to church, you won't stay a Christian. God said, especially as you see that day. You say, preacher, you're saying some pretty hard things. I'm just telling you what the Bible preaches. That's all I'm trying to do. Let me take you into a picture of a new church movement that's sweeping America. This is the pastor of a Methodist church. Her name is Boltz Weber, Nadia Boltz Weber. And this is the new progressive Christian movement. It's called liberal Christianity. Out of this movement, we have come up with things that's called, that you can go out and Google it and find it yourself. It's called tavern theology. It's called beer and the Bible believing. You go, to, you go to the bars and you talk about the Lord over alcohol. You drink and you talk about the things of God. Needless to say, the world calls the alcohol spirits for a reason. It's the movement of progressive Christianity. This is November 3rd. How many days ago is this, folks? This is new stuff. Bills Weber, this pastor, look at the definition of her teaching. Liberal, foul-mouthed articulation of Christianity. It says believers are fed up with people that are too Jesus-y. You see the bottom there? Her body language, Bowles Weber, represents a new muscular form of liberal Christianity, one that merges the passion of li- and life-changing fervor of evangelicalism with the commitment to the inclusiveness and social justice of mainline Protestantism. She's a tatted-up, foul-mouthed champion to people sick of being belittled 
as not Christian enough for the right and too Jesus-y for the left. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just one picture. That's the Washington Post. That was just in the Washington Post last week. Okay? This is just one picture. The, the Internet is strewn with this stuff. How many think we might be close to the last times? Now, this is going to be a little bothersome for some. But look, look at this new article that was found in the Huffington Post. They'll kill us before they feed us. The liberal progressive movement, ladies and gentlemen, has been touting this for almost 100 years, that the planet can only take care of so many people. And if we don't start doing something about the people that can't take care of themselves, we ourselves are going to die. America, within 25 years, over almost 30% of America will be over 65 years old within the next 25 years. Are you with me? This is in Huffington Post. You can, go, you can go look at it yourself. The fastest growing demography in America is between 85 and 94, or, uh, uh, population 85 to 94 is over 65 years old. Over a third of the country will be over 65 in 25 years. America is getting older, sicker, poorer, more diverse, and more different, more other than any other time in history. And how are they going to care about them? How are they going to help the elderly, provide for the ill, feed the hungry, embrace the racial and cultural diversity? The question on hand is, will they even try? He said, if this strategy comes to pass, as many think it will, what's America going to look like in 37 years? You say, well, pastor, is this really real? Oh, yes, it is. But let me just take you north of the border and look at America Interest Online, another news article. Canadian to America, time to bring on the death panels. What happens in Ontario might not seem immediately relevant to America, but the problem of resource scarcity Goldenberg builds his case upon is an increasingly plaguing America health care system. The aging boomers combined with the expanding access to health care, which we know as the Affordable Health Care Act, will put the pressure on an already stressed system. This is October of this year. They already have panels in Canada that decide whether you're productive enough to continue to bring something to society. And if not, they make the decision, not the family. Folks, this is all coming down. When you have a spiritual crisis, when God is no longer the Lord of your life, and the head of your government, pretty soon man decides what is best for the government. Let me continue into number three. Are we learning something this morning? What is happening in the world? The scripture has told us about since the beginning. Our nation and the world has become more and more desensitized, dehumanized, demoralized, 
and anesthetized to the things of God. Today, it is not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that matter. It is me, myself, and I that matters. Let me take you to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. These are all in your notes. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They will have a form of godliness. They will say, oh yeah, we love God. The problem is, who is God? They will love the God of the world, but they will not love the God of the Bible. Look at this, what it says here, before we continue on. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, no self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, late haters is what that word comes from, unholy, conceited, lovers of pleasure. Look at currently 2010 or 2013, the Southern Poverty Law Center says there are currently over 1,100 known hate groups in America. This is up to almost double since since uh, to the year 2000. Neo-Nazis, Klansmen, white nationalists, neo-confederates, race, racist skinheads, black separatists, border vigilantes, just to name a few. The Bible says nation will rise up against nation. America is imploding within herself. All you got to do is turn the news on. Ladies and gentlemen, little kids are going into schools and killing little kids. Teenagers are going on the street. Chicago is a war zone. There are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people killed every single year on the streets of Chicago, all over America. America is is the worst case of scenarios of crime in the entire world. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 says, Only evil and iniquity was found in them day and night. Every imagination and thought of their hearts was only wicked continually. And God said, I'm sorry that I even created man. You say, well, God didn't know. Yes, God did. But God hoped that his heart in man was going to make a difference than man's heart in sin. And you say, well, what did God do? He gave Noah the blueprints for a boat. Crime without reason, is the standard for today. Crime without remorse. These people killing people and not even thinking twice about it. Crime used to have a reason. Greed, anger, passion used to have a purpose, at least in somebody's mind. But today it's more sport. It's more fun. We are witnessing America in its most terrifying thing that could possibly happen, and it is the death of conscience. In our text, it says that these are only the signs 
All of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Remember, a spiritual crisis always leads up to a carnal crisis. And we'll get into this next week. Let me step back and understand the Bible says these are all things that will be happening preceding the Lord's return. The days of Noah are exactly like the days we are living today. And God said when we see those days, his return will not be far behind. The first time God sent his judgment, he sent Adam and Eve out of the garden because of rebellion. The Bible's not specific, but as most of us believe that it was because if they would have partaken of the tree of eternal life, they might have lived in that state for all eternity. We don't know. But regardless, we understand that man entered into the sinful, selfish, sensual work of Satan that is set totally on the destruction of mankind. Let me take you to America 2013 charisma news look on the screen since 1963 premarital sex has increased over 500 percent look at me ladies and gentlemen if you're here today and you're living with a man or a woman you're sleeping with that man or woman god calls it sin and god says you will not go to heaven I don't care if the church world accepts it today. I don't care if society accepts it today. God says it's an abomination and it will take you to hell. Can somebody say amen? Unwed pregnancy up over 400%. Sexually transmitted diseases, STDs over 200%. Suicides are up over 400%. Folks, this is America since 1963. SAT scores, the SAT scores have dropped 90 points since 1963 to 19. This is the lowest in the entire industrialized world when we used to be number one. Single-parent homes are up over 140%. Violent crime is up 500%. You know what happened in 1963? They threw God out of the public school. They said God's not welcome. The Bible's not welcome. Prayer is not welcome. This became the major tipping point of our nation. God made sure that we knew that because of that activity, the moral decline, the moral fiber of our nation was on a decline. Interesting. Just 10 years later, abortion became legal. 1973. This is Charisma News, May 20th, or May 5th, 2013. The Bible says, know this, in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. They want only what they want. The second judgment came in the days of Noah where God sent understanding to Noah how to build a boat. Why? Because the entire world was covered with sensuality, conceiving, planning, preparing, and receiving only the things they wanted. No accord for the things of God. Can you say amen? We have to understand that the minute life becomes motivated more by cause and less by effect, we are in trouble and headed for real 
problems, when it no longer matters what others think, feel, believe, or want, selfish or sensual gratification becomes the norm and not the exception, God's judgment is far off. When there is a spiritual crisis that has swept the world and is sweeping the church of Jesus Christ, let me give you some more statistics. America leads the world in every category of violent crime. America, this Christian nation, more than 20 churches every single day lock their doors because of lack of interest. North America is the only continent Christianity is not growing. The United States is the largest post Christian nation. 98% of all churches in America have not even led a single person to the Lord last year. And America's airwaves. It's banned in most of the world, but America's airways are filled with music and programs depicting violence, sexual promiscuity, abortion, homosexuality, and masses of other destructive influences. Every, uh, not every other, most other nations in the world ban this stuff, but America embraces it. How many think we're in a spiritual crisis? Isaiah 5 says, woe to those who call good evil and evil. Good, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Even the spirituality became corrupt in the days of Noah. All self-restraint was laid aside. The following statement that I want to make is very simple. When you break the laws of God, it's easy for the laws of man to become repulsive. When sensuality and tyranny overruns morals and purity, the sensual becomes the usual and the usual becomes the unusual. What we find is the days of Noah, the complete supremacy of evil. Thoughts, hearts, imagination, not just temporally, but continually. Fox News on the screen. The Bible says in the last days, Christians will become targets. Every year, 100 plus thousand in this one article. Other articles I found have the number way up over a half a million are killed annually because of their faith. Anti-Christian violence is on the rise even in America. Matthew 24 in our text says you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world just simply because you're a Christian. And because of that, in the church, many will turn away. Oh, this can't be God. I can't be going through all this if this is God. But this is what the scripture says. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a spiritual crisis with no hope of return. Except for us except for the Christian. Second Chronicles, look at what it says. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then, and turn. I think it's interesting the Lord adds this in there. And turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. I'm going to take you into a very short, it's about three minutes long, but it's a video that comes from Israel. 
And then I'm going to put up one more slide and we'll be done. But I want you to listen to me before we start this video. The entire world is saying, why can't we just get along? That's what everybody's trying to do. They're trying to force peace. They're trying to force everybody working together. Everybody liking everybody. You say, well, Pastor, is that such a bad thing? Not at all. But it won't happen. Why? Because you have to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the God of this world will not allow you to have that. Let me show you this video. It takes you all the way back, talking about the days of Babylon, talking about the days of Persia, and how they are just like today. Go ahead, quickly. Okay. Babylon, Persia. Same kingdoms. Iraq is Babylon. Iran is Persia. God overthrew Babylon. And we see the correlation between Nebuchadnezzar and, and uh, Saddam Hussein. Persia. Their statement is the same that, that Haman made in the book of Esther. That's what he related into. And Naaman's idea was to destroy all the Jews in one day by annihilating them. But God exposed it through, the queen, by, through queen Esther. And in today's society, the same proclamation is made by modern-day Persia that I will destroy the Jews in one day. How are they going to do that? Nuclear holocaust. And ladies and gentlemen, Netanyahu right now is making the decision whether to attack Israel, Iran. Most people believe if he does, it's the beginning of World War III. Say, Pastor, that, that's scary. Not for the Christian. Not because we know, folks. Jesus is coming back. He said all of this stuff will happen before. Now, let me give you one more thing on the screen. Like I told you, folks, please, this is a little longer during these courses. Uh, they have been working on a peace plan between the PLO and Israel. Don't put it up there yet. For decades, ever since 1948, they could never come to agreement. Netanyahu and Iran, they're trying to bring them to the table. The Palestinian Authority, they're trying to bring them to the table, and it's not happening. Once again, America, Israel's number one ally, has backed course. Now, the Bible says that when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon all mankind and that without remedy. There is no going back. I'm going to show you this next clip. It was from a couple weeks ago in the Israeli newspaper about our country and about Israel. Look at it. U.S. will force Israel and the Palestinian Authority in peace. The report says the U.S. will lay down its own outline for the accord, determined to reach solution by the middle of next year. There will be peace in Israel and the Palestinian Authority. If negotiations between them do not advance, Washington will propose its own solution and will include a U.S. position on every point that is in contention. In effect, according to the report, this will be an attempt to force the sides to agree for a peace formula set by America. 
Six months from now, folks, they're going to force peace. And the only way they're going to force peace is Israel has to give up. Folks, Israel didn't choose their land. God did. Israel didn't just find themselves there at the beginning. God put them there. It is God's land, not Israel's land. It's not the Palestinians' land. It's not the Europeans' land. It's not the, the, uh, the, the, the nationals' land. It is God's land. And God said anyone that comes in and tries to make a difference by setting a wedge in that land, I will judge that nation. Middle of April of next year, or mid-2014, they said we're going to force peace. And then the scripture says, let me take you to 1 Thessalonians 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you don't know that I write, have no need. For you yourselves perfectly know the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. But when they shall say, peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them as to prevail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, shall not be in darkness, and that day will not overtake you. Ladies and gentlemen, I take very seriously my responsibility as a pastor, and that is to equip you with the understanding of Scripture to say, hey, I'm not ignorant of what's going on in the world. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to live a life for God. I'm going to tie in. I'm going to tie in. Remember in the video clip, he said, now is the time for Israel to come together and to stand strong. The assault's not going to change. The assault's not going to change. Will we? A spiritual crisis is what the world's in. Next week, we're going to talk about a carnal crisis. Because of man's corruption, the Bible says the earth will vomit us out. The third week, I'm going to talk about a financial crisis, how the world is headed towards the mark of the beast and the one world financial system. Folks, the writing is even on the wall. We're even at the gate. The question that I want to ask you as the music begins to play in the background, and I just want you to look at me. Your pastor's kind of a straightforward shooter, isn't he? I just kind of lay it out there. This is the way it is, folks. This is the Bible. Take it, leave it. You're either a Christian, you're not a Christian. So let me talk to you today. If you're a a fence Christian, you're kind of got one foot in, one foot out. You're not quite sure what I should do. Well, in light of some of the stuff we looked at, what do you think you should do? It's time to make a decision. Jesus said these words. He said, you're either for me or you're against me. You can't be in both places. He said, you can't serve the world and me. Where are you at today? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Or is church just something you do? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, some of you might sit back and say, well, preacher, this is just too hard preaching. Hell's going to be a lot harder, folks. Tribulation's going to be a lot harder. And I don't want anyone that's going through that. Oh, bless God, you're, you're, you're not my judge. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you what the word, am I doing? I'm just throwing out what the word of God says. Where are you at? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Or is he just your Savior? 
You say, well, what's the difference? Well, a Savior saves. But a Lord controls. A Lord calls the shots. If he's just your Savior, you might have fire insurance. But if you're not living for God, you're not keeping up the premiums. Well, you say, well, I I thought it was bought and paid for. It is. But he said, you're either for me or you're against me. How do we keep up the premiums just by living a life for Christ? Where's your heart? Are you living for him? Are you really a Christian by definition? Say, well, pastor, define it for me. Christian means Christ-like. If I walked down the street and I saw this young man there, without him opening his mouth, would I have watched his actions and knew he was a Christian? Would I have known? You see, that's what it's talking about, folks. Oh, it's great. I can stand up there and preach. But follow me around. If my preaching and my living aren't the same, guess what I'm not? Christian. No, man, you're, getting, you're just getting too, too. I'm just preaching the word. Am I doing okay, Ray? Am I doing okay? Folks, it's not words. It's life. There's lots of things that come out of the closet in the day we live. A Christian isn't one of them. There is no such thing as a closet Christian. So let me ask you, if Jesus was to come back today, would you go? Well, I think I would. If you don't know you would, you won't. You say, well, Pastor, that's hard. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to be honest. If the world doesn't know that you are a Christian, could it be that you're not? Remember that thing about the unchristian? The world can't tell the church apart. Are you living a godly life? Are you living in sin? Do I need to start listing them all? We'll be here past lunch and then you won't like me. We know. So if that's you, you say, Pastor, I'm not really being a Christian. I wonder if we could all bow our heads for just a moment. And you say, Pastor, today I want to become the man, the woman that God called me to be. I want to be a Christian. A Christian isn't words, folks. A Christian's life. If you're here today and your heart's not right with God, you're not living that Christian life. Nobody's looking around just for a quick, uh, please, and nobody look around, please. You say, Pastor, I want to get my heart right with God. Lift your hand up high. Put it right back down. Hands are going up all over this building. Put it right back down. You can put it right back down. Good. You didn't raise your hand. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. You say, well, Pastor, it's not before you. You're right. But the Bible also says, if you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father which is in heaven. So today, you haven't raised your hand, but you say, Pastor, I need to get my heart right with God. I want you to lift your hand up quickly all over this building. Put it right back down. Yes, other people have raised their hand all over this building. Okay, put your hand down. Now you are a Christian. 
I'm not, not you, but I'm talking to those that are living a Christian life. I'm going to pray with everybody in just a moment. You are a Christian. You're living your life. You can't do it passively, ladies and gentlemen. You have a responsibility to let people know Jesus is coming. I'm not telling you to go out on the streets. I'm not telling you to. I'm just talking about you living a godly life. And when they ask, tell them. I live the life I lived because Jesus lived the life he lived. Let people know. All over this building with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. Every single person in here, and I want you to mean it with all of your heart. I want you to mean this with all of your heart. All over this building, I want you to say, Lord Jesus, out loud, everybody, especially those that raise their hands, say with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I know I am a sinner, and I know you died for my sins. Come into my life. Forgive me. Starting today, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to live a Christ-like life. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Look at me. You say, Pastor, is that how simple it is? Very much so. The Bible says you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'd be saved. So let me ask you a question today. How many here believe Jesus is the Son of God? Lift your hand up. How many believe he died for your sins? Lift your hand up. How many believe he's coming back again? Put your hands together, folks. He's coming back again. America's in a spiritual crisis. We need to make a decision. Are we going to come out of it or stay in it? We're going to be dismissed in just a moment. I encourage you, please, tell everybody. Next week, I'm going to get into some very unsettling things that are physically happening in the world. I'm going to show you more video. I'm going to show you more news clips. It's just going to, it's going to unseat you. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. As we all stand to our feet across this building... I want to pray, and I'm going to ask you to take this message. We, this is on podcast. You have the notes. All of the newspaper clips that I had up there, I put in your, your, your uh, bulletin so you can take them with you. Study them yourself. You'll see amazingly how many more things are happening in the world. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.